Well, we've come to the 13th chapter of the book of Revelation, and uh, I, I was going over my notes this morning, and I was thinking, you know, this is so significant. This is just so, uh, so powerful, and I, I was asking the Lord to let me, not just this chapter, but the whole book, uh, I asked the Lord to, to let me convey this message to you in a, in a way that's meaningful to you. Remember that this is the book, uh, the book of Revelation, the letter uh, of Revelation. It's the, it's the one book that there is a promise associated with it. You're, 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 you're promised to be blessed if you read it, if you study it. You're promised to be blessed. God thinks this is significant. All of Scripture is significant. It's His Word, but, but God's saying to us that you have a blessing if you read this. Uh, you have a blessing if you uh, comprehend this to, to some measure and will never fully comprehend it. I don't fully comprehend it. This morning's lesson, I'm going to say to you that sometimes people believe this and sometimes people believe this, and it doesn't have to do with doctrine. It has to do with timing and personalities. So it's not doctrine, because I'm settled on doctrine, but, but it has to just do, and we don't know for sure about timing or exactly what this imagery means, but, but we, we know for sure the guest, and the guest is the revelation is God is at work. God is at work, and he's been at work. Okay, Daniel was written 700 years before the time of Christ, so that's 2,800 years ago. And, and it, it outlined the book of Revelation when Jesus came and spoke and, and himself, and it's recorded in Matthew 24 and 25, and then in Luke as well. But when Jesus came and spoke, Jesus outlined the time of tribulation. And so we know that this is what's going to happen. This is in the future. This is what our world is facing. We see today the leading up toward it. I've been saved for uh, 50 years, and when I came to know Christ at 25, and I, we, we were hearing then that we're in the last days. That was 50 years ago. And I think we were in the last days 50 years ago. See, to us, 50 years is a significant part of, part of time. But in history, it, it, a, a day with the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years with a day, which doesn't mean that a thousand years is insignificant. It simply means that time is relative. And, and to God's planning, time is relative. God has, has, is calling out a people for his name's sake to be the bride of Christ, and he has a plan, and he's fulfilling his plan. He's not impatient, and he is not to be swayed by circumstances. And the book of Revelation teaches us that. It teaches us that we can, we can trust God. God is at work, and the circumstances of our world today, the circumstances of our political situation, our economic situation, uh, our military situation is not, is not the relevant thing. It is relevant to our daily lives, but it is not relevant to the plan of God uh, and, and because he is supervising it and he is in control. Now, see, I don't know about you, but it gives me great peace when I think about that. I was talking to... to a man this past week, and we're talking about, I told him, I said, I have weaned myself off the news. I don't watch much news anymore. I watch the evening news, but I watch it to my wife's chagrin. Fast forward. I, I you know, I, I TiVo it, and, or I pause it and read, and then when it's 15 minutes into it, I watch that 15 minutes in about a minute and a half. And, because most of it I'm not interested in. Most of it is that you're, you know, anyway. And I'm not saying that's the way you should do it, but what, what my point was, my point is, is that if, if you continually, I mean, news is big business. News is big business, and it's everywhere, and it's 24 hours a day, and it's, it's repetitive. And if you watch it all the time, and it doesn't matter whether you're a Democrat or Republican, if you, if you watch it all the time, your, your spirit is going to be agitated. So again, I'm not preaching to you about watching the news or not, it doesn't, you know, that doesn't really matter to me whether you do or not. But I cannot do it without my spirit being agitated and my hope becomes in what I'm, 
I want to be fixed, however I think the solution might be, the resolution might be, instead of my hope in Christ. And so, you know, we get the news. It filters down to us anyway all the time. Okay, now why don't I quit rambling and we look in the Bible. Okay, pray, pray with me, please. Our Father, we thank you as we bow before you this morning that you've given to us your word and, Lord, your word um, faith comes by hearing, you've said to us, and, and uh, hearing through your word. And so I pray this morning, as we read through the scripture and uh, think about it, that you open our understanding. And Father, more than, more than anything, open and strengthen our faith, that we see your hand and we see your grace, and we will be thankful for what you do. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Chapter 12 gave us Satan's intent and his passion to destroy the work of God. You remember in chapter 12, we saw in verse 3, we'll just look at that. Another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads, ten horns, seven diadems on his head. His tail drew a third, and, and, he, and his dragon stood before the woman, verse 4, who was ready to give birth, to devour her child, capital C, as soon as it was born. So this is Satan's plan. Satan's plan is to destroy the gospel, destroy the hope of eternal salvation for anyone. So that's his plan, that's his passion. And when we come to chapter 13, we see the program that he uses to accomplish that. So the program is given to us about Satan's Pro, about Satan's uh, outworking of his plan. So read with me if you would, verse 1. Then I stood, John, John stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. I couldn't, we don't have time to spit all this, but if you, in studying this, the sea the actual sea for the nation of Israel and for people of that time it, it was it was a danger. It was a tempest. It was a it was unruly. It was uncontrollable. They couldn't conquer the sea. You remember even Solomon in all of his glory and all of his wisdom, Solomon built a fleet of ships or had them built, but the Jews didn't Salem, the people of Phoenicia, uh, uh, the, the kingdom of Tyre. They furnished the sailors. And so the sea was representative of evil in a sense. And so when, when the people who are reading this at this time in the first century, when they read this, I stood on the sand of the sea and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. They're going to acknowledge this is bad. I mean, this is, this is somebody evil. This is, this is not good when this beast comes up out of the sea. Now, is it the literal seed that says that this is going to be the Antichrist? Is this Antichrist, is he coming, is he coming about the sea, or is it the sea of mankind, or, or, or is it symbolic? And I believe that it's symbolic. And I feel like I need to repeat again. The book of Revelation is true. The book of Revelation is not all symbolism and, and, and things we cannot understand. It's not all visionary. It's not, it's not things that are symbolic of what, reality might be, but in literature there is symbolism used, and this is what you have to recognize the difference as you come through here. When we read about he had the seven heads, ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, we saw that in chapter 12. That's, we saw that referring to uh, the dragon. Uh, I, I think in these chapters, in chapter 13, we're introduced to an unholy trinity. And, the, and I'm going to just give you the representation. The dragon is representative. The dragon is the, the when I say representative, it, may this not, the, the, the dragon is the antithesis of God. This beast is the antithesis of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then at the end of the chapter, we're going to see another beast that comes up, and he is the antithesis of the Holy Spirit. So, Satan has a counterfeit. Satan is a counterfeit and himself, and then he's going to counterfeit 
Christ is going to counterfeit um, the Holy Spirit to, to lead people astray. See, again, he wants to destroy the work of God. So when we see this beast that comes up out of the sea, and he has the same manifestation of power and authority that the dragon has. Okay, we know from Scripture that Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Remember that? Okay, so Jesus is the Father. Jesus is the Holy Spirit. And say, but, okay, but there's a separation too. There is the Father, there is Jesus, there is the Holy Spirit, but that's the Trinity, but they're one. And that's, this is what's happening here, is that this beast, which I believe is a, a person, a, a literal person, I believe, and he's rise, and he, he comes out of the mass of humanity, and so he's, and, and he has this power that Satan has, and he, he's represented the same way. The, the crowns or horns represent uh, political control of nations. And and then um, and the the and he has a blasphemous name. Only it says a blasphemous name. A blasphemous. The blasphemy means you're you're against God. It means you're denying the authority and the glory of God. You you can blaspheme in any in, in many different ways, but taken generally, it, it simply means you're you're anti Christ. Now, not as a personal noun, but it means you're antichrist. You remember John wrote, there are many antichrists. It means you're against Christ, you're against God, you're against the things of God. So you're, you're against the authority of God, you're against the influence of God. And we're seeing that in our society very prevalent today, is that it's, there's, there's, a, there's this blasphemous against God about who he might be, or even if he is, and it's being worked out, and in our society today, and but it's always been true in the world. It's always been true. Remember, mankind is born a sinner, and we are an enemy of God. We do not want God ruling over us until we have an experience of salvation and surrender our heart to God, and that changes then our our outlook in every area. So we have this we have this person who is representative of power. And now I'm going to say something to you that I want you to think about. Now, think hard this morning. I want you to think about that. When, when we're reading this, he, he, having seven heads, ten horns, okay, the seven heads, ten horns, if he's controlling these empires, then he's identified with them. And sometimes in history and in literature, what we do is that we identify, we, we hear it on the news and we do it ourselves, we identify nations with the leader. Okay, I'm going to give you some examples, so I hope you grasp what I'm talking about. Jacob is Israel, right? So, so Israel sometimes is just called, in the scripture, called Jacob. Now Jacob was a person, but Jacob was the patriarch of Israel. His sons are going to bring forth the tribes of Israel. So Jacob is Israel. Caesar represented Rome and the Roman Empire. Um, Hitler represented the Nazi regime. Uh, Hitler represented what everything, not just Germany, but the Nazi regime. Churchill, Great Britain, England, however you want to say it. Um, in our time, when we, the, the Russian Federation referred to as, as Putin, you know, Putin's doing this, Putin's doing that. I mean, it's, 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 it's Russia. So, again, see, Mayo, Mayo, it's, it's China. It's the Communist Party. Um, and so we represent, when we use those people's names, they're representative to us of those nations and, and those powers. So we, we do basically the same thing. That's what we find in verse 1. When, when he has these... Uh, this person who rises up, this Antichrist, when he has the seven heads, the ten horns, and the ten crowns, what he has are the ten heads and ten crowns. What he has is that he is the, he is the embodiment of the control, the political control of these nations. So he is coming again and uh, 
So he has the power of the revived Roman Empire. Now I'm going to say some things that you don't you don't read here, and you're just going to have to take this. My my opinion is what it is, and you're entitled to, to different opinions. You remember when when Jesus went through the temptations, and, and one of the things that Satan told him, if you will worship me. He took him to a pentagon and he saw all these kingdoms. And he said, you worship me and all these kingdoms, you will rule over all these kingdoms, right? Okay, Jesus refused that and it was Satan's right to give that. This person accepts that. This person is going to worship, worship Satan and he's given rule over the revived Roman Empire. And if you were to look at a map and you could Google and look at a map of the Roman Empire in its and its height, and, and if you looked at the Mediterranean Sea, I don't know about you, but a lot of times I don't have geography in my mind, so I like to look at a map. But you look at the Mediterranean Sea, and it's kind of an oval sea, and to, the, to, to your right, uh, to your right is going to be Israel, the Middle East, up above that is going to be Asia, and on to the left, above, way out is Europe, all the way to Spain and Great Britain. You come down to the bottom side, and you have Egypt, Alexandria, uh, and, and, and come around then to the deserts of, um, I don't know, Saudi Arabia. Through there. And the Roman Empire controlled all of that. And, and that's what the beast is going to be controlling. So he's going, to have this, he's going to have this power and authority. And this is the revived Roman Empire. I want you to go back again and think with me about Daniel's prophecy. And... Uh, <clears throat> Nebuchadnezzar saw this image, and he asked Daniel to interpret it. And so the image is of successive world kingdoms, starting with Nebuchadnezzar, moving down to the Persians, to the, to the I hope I don't get them wrong, but to Greece and Rome. And then Rome, remember, the image has two legs. Rome is divided to the eastern part and the western part of the Roman Empire, and then they come to the toes that are algamated, they're different mixtures, and they're, how many toes are there? Ten toes, and so they're, so, so now you have this, this latter part, there's going to be this algamated kingdom of, of these ten or so kingdoms, what we're seeing here, and, and then Christ is going to come and destroy the image and he, he's, he's a stone cut without hands, and he's going to come and hit the image and destroy it, and his kingdom will fill the world. Okay, we're reading about that coming to pass when we come to the book of Revelation, but it, it, it's what we're reading here. So here is this Antichrist. He's representative of the revived Roman Empire. He is Antichrist all the way. He's blaspheming God. And then I want you to see a description given in verse 2. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet were like the feet of a bear, his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and his great authority. So he, these animals, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't look like a leopard and a bear and a, and a lion. He doesn't, it's not what he looks like physically, but it's representative of his power and his authority and his viciousness. And again, when you go back through Daniel, and you see that, that Daniel, the king, the human king, Nebuchadnezzar, saw this image, and he saw these kingdoms in their glory. He saw them as glory. You remember what it was? It was gold and silver and bronze and iron, and that's glorious. Uh, and he, so he saw his role... So man is seeing the kingdoms of the world as glorious. You come a few chapters later, and Daniel has a vision himself, and God gives Daniel this vision, and he sees these same kingdoms. But you remember, Daniel sees them as a leopard and a bear, and I can't remember. I can't remember the others. But but see, Daniel sees them as vicious beasts. Okay, and I, I want you to recognize the difference. Gov- and, and again, I, I, hope you can, I hope you can believe me when I'm saying that this is not a political statement. This is not a Republican statement, Democratic statement. I made these statements when Trump was president. 
Uh, I'll make them again, you know, when if we have another Republican president. Government is vicious. Government is here to control you. You know, constitutionally, it's here to protect us and, and to... And again, this is not a political statement. This is just real. This is a biblical statement. But governments are vicious. Governments seek power. And it's true, it's true of the United States of America as well. Now, it shouldn't be under our Constitution. I don't think constitutionally we were, intent, we were intended to do that. But this is the nature of fallen man. I hope you understand, hope you understand that. It's, the nature, it's my nature. It's your nature. We, we have this desire to conquer. We have this desire to rule. And we try to rule our spouse. We try to rule our children. We try to rule, if you're a pastor, you try to rule the church. You know, if you own a business, you try to rule your business. If you're uh, the mayor, you try to rule the city. You know, it's our, it's our nature to, to rule. And, it's, and, and we don't do it in a benevolent way except we know Christ. And so I want you to understand that when we're speaking here, that this is what John is seeing in the nature of this beast. But we read in the latter part, or I don't know if we read the last sentence, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. All the world marveled and followed the beast. And people followed Hitler, and people followed Mussolini, people followed Chairman Mao, people are following, uh, for, for various reasons, Strong leadership. People feel secure when they have strong leadership. And then, um, I, I, I've already said this, and I got out of context of my notes, but the, the Roman Empire was never conquered. All those other successive empires, the Asian, I mean the Assyrians, the Persians, the Greek, they were all conquered, and uh, then Rome conquered them all. And, and Rome is an, uh, uh, took all the territory. They did, the successive ones didn't have as much territory, but Rome had all this territory. And then Rome dissolved, basically just collapsed because of, 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 of the decadence and which has happened in the United States, and Rome eventually just collapsed. They were never conquered. So now they're going to be revived. The Bible teaches that. We, not, not here to say, but in Daniel, there's a prince that's coming of the people who destroyed Israel. And, and, and so, again, we read that. Uh, and so I'm trying, to, I'm trying to remind you of where we are. And it's hard to get it all in, in one letter because you need to look at the broad spectrum. And so I may get a little confusing to you. Ask me questions afterward if you, if you would like. But so what happens here is that This man is identified as being wounded. One of his heads is mortally wounded, and and then he is revived. That could be. Here's one of the things that I'm not not 100% sure. I I believe he's representative of the revived Roman Empire. I think it's talking about the empire itself, but he's a representative. This person is a representative, and he's going to be controlling the revived Roman Empire. He is the Antichrist. Now, whether the wound means the demise of the Roman Empire and now its resurrection, or whether the wound means that this man was, was dead and is revived alive. I really don't know. Some people believe both ways. And if he's revived alive, it would make him, it would be an antithesis of the resurrection of Christ. Are you with me? Again, he'd be like, he'd be the antithesis of the resurrection. It'd be that... Christ died, was resurrected. This man dies and is resurrected. And it could, it could just mean the nation of, of, of Rome, and it could be the person himself experiences this. I wouldn't be surprised if it's... it's it, I think it could be both. And uh, that so he is marveled at. And for him to be marveled at, it would be because there's something supernatural going on here. And the demonic has a lot of supernatural in it. So in verse 4, we read this. So they worship the dragon, Satan, who gave authority to the beast. And they worship the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Who is like the beast? 
when we're reading this and you've been listening to me comment on it and we have this idea then that here is the personification of evil and he should be recognized as such. He is, but, but he won't be. You remember you read in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 14 15 and you read that Satan himself transformed the angel of light and his ministers, so it's no surprise that his ministers, Satan's ministers, are transformed into angels of light. And so this person is going to be a very charismatic, a very strong, resourceful, uh, very, very personable. He's going to be a very strong person himself in, in leadership. And people are going to, they're going to marvel at him and his leadership and his ability to control the, the nations and stop the wars. And so we're looking now at the first three and a half years and leading up to the, and the first three and a half years of the tribulation period, and there's peace. He's made peace with Israel, and he's guaranteed their safety. And so he, he's doing wonderful things. The economies are going to be good because if, if you're not spending all your money on armament, and aren't, then you can put it in the economy. And so, you know, people have bread, and they're eating, and things are going on, and ransomware stops, you know, and, and, and so all this. And so people love him. Isn't that astounding? I mean, here's the personification of but people love him, and they're, they marvel at him, and they're worshiping him. And again, you go to Paul's writings in Corinthians, and Paul comes into the city of Corinthians, and he saw those idols, and basically Paul tells us, then if you go into that temple and you offer meat, you worshiping that idol, but you're worshiping the demonic behind the idol. You're worshiping demons. And, and this is what's happening. People are worshiping this man, but they're worshiping Satan. They're worshiping the demonic kingdom. Not, and they're not witches or doing witchcraft. They're simply, they're simply acknowledging the, the, the people who are blaspheming God and acknowledging that because of the safety and the security and the peace they have in their lives, they're willing to worship because of that. We're, we're very gullible people. You say, not me. <laughs> but we, but as, a, as a whole, we are. We're very gullible people. Why? Because sometimes we, 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 we want that that benefits us. And if you can bring peace and security in my life, I'll worship you. That's my tendency is to worship you. So he's worshipped by his followers. And then look at verse 5. And he was given a mouth speaking great things. Turn the page. Great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Speaking great things. That's great plans. That's great vision. Speaking great things is that, you know, great promises. Uh, great, you know, you're thinking political now. You're, you know, there's going to be a chicken in every pot. You old enough for that? <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be prosperous. We're going to, we're going to do well. So he's speaking great things, but also he's speaking blasphemies. And you think, how, how, how is this controllable? If he has this much power, and he has power over the nations, and he, and he is the most significant world power now is this revived Roman Empire, and how is it going to be controlled? But the latter part of that, Verse says, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. So who is he subservient to? God. You know, he's, he's given this authority only for 42 months. So at the midpoint of the tribulation, it's going to collapse. The midpoint of the tribulation, he goes into the temple, and he, he's going to, we'll read it, if I'll quit messing around, we'll read it in the latter part of the chapter, but he's going to erect this image to himself to be worshipped, and it, it just, we're to the place, the vials are going to be poured out, and the wrath of God is going to come upon him and his kingdom and the kingdoms of the world. And so he only has 42 months, and then it just collapses. And, and, and World War Three is, or if it may be 10 by then, but it's going to be totally annihilation until Christ comes. 
And so he's limited by God. His authority is limited by God. We read the book of Job and we see that God limits the authority of Satan. And his authority is limited as well. He can blaspheme all he wants to, but he can only do it for so long, and, it, and then he's going to be held accountable. Look at verse 6. He opened his mouth and blasphemed against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. He's not even satisfied with those on the earth, but he, he's blaspheming those who've already been taken to heaven, which I believe is the church. I believe we're already gone at this point in time, and we're in heaven, and he's still blaspheming us, and he's blaspheming what the church has accomplished on earth. And uh, about people who are, are being saved. Verse 7, it's granted to him to make war with the saints, and those are those now. Saints are those who are set apart for Christ. It doesn't mean they're saintly in their behavior. It simply means the word, the words that means they're set apart. So they're set apart people for Christ. And he makes war against the saints to overcome them. Now, overcome them means he, he, can, he can kill your body, not your body, because you won't be there. He, he can kill the body of a saint, but he can't take their faith. Remember, Jesus himself said, don't, don't fear him who can kill your body. Fear him who can kill your body and cast your soul into hell. That's the one you need to fear. The only person who can do that is, is God. So he's saying, you know, fear, fear God. That, that doesn't mean if a person alive during this time should fear tribulation, but it means that you, you shouldn't fear to the place of losing your faith. So, he's given authority over every tribe, tongue, and nation. And verse 8, all who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been, all who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. I want to emphasize that point. if If you know Christ, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. It's never going to be blotted out. It doesn't matter how grievous you sin today or tomorrow. It's never going to be blotted out. You're saved by the blood of Christ. You didn't do it. Christ did it for you. You can't mess it up. Now, you can make the trail rocky, and, and you can make it difficult, and you can make it grievous, but you can't change the destination. You're going to spend eternity with God because you're His child. He made you His child. Okay, that's what it's saying here. There is the Lamb's Book of Life, and Christ was slain before the foundation of the world. I didn't jot it in the notes, but when I was reading, you know, there, the Bible teaches over and over that you know about the Lamb's Book of Life and about the eternal salvation. Eternal salvation is not just out here in the future. Eternal salvation is back here. You go to you go to Psalms. I'm what I can't remember one uh, one. Oh, nine, one thirteen. But anyway, that psalm's talking about God foreknew you, and all your days are written in His book. You were you were redeemed in God's sight before the foundation of the world. You didn't you didn't just stumble onto faith. You didn't through your great intellect stumble onto faith in Christ. You through your great spiritual understanding didn't stumble on to Christ in faith. You were redeemed by God. It was His plan before the foundation of the world to bring you to Christ. Now, you know, that shouldn't make us proud. If that makes you proud, you're missing the point. You're missing the biblical understanding. It shouldn't make us proud. It should humble us. We should say, God didn't save me because He knew one day I'd go in the ministry. He didn't save me for any of those reasons. He saved me because of grace. I didn't deserve anything from God. I deserve damnation. You deserve damnation. The only reason we're saved is pure grace. And that should humble us and make us think, I'm not worthy. I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. I still don't deserve it. But it's just pure grace. God in His mercy did that. Okay, we, we can't go further, we're going, to run, we're going to run out of time. Okay, so get back to the text with me. And verse 8, All dwell on the earth will worship me, and they have not been written in the Lamb's Book of Life from the foundation of the world. And then the Holy Spirit through John inserts verse 9, If anyone has an ear, let him hear. 
it, it, it's the warning that John has given, the Holy Spirit has given. You read that a lot in the gospel. If, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. Let him hear. Let, let, let people hear what God is saying. Let people hear and understand what God is doing. Verse 10, he says, He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with a sword must be killed with a sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. God is saying there is going to be an accountability. There is always an accountability. Every sin, every committed is going to be accounted for. And ours are accounted in Christ. My sins, your sins are accounted in Christ. But the Antichrist sins and every unregenerate person, their sins are going to be accounted for by themselves in eternal hell. That's pretty serious business, isn't it? You lead into captivity, I mean, whatever, whatever life you choose, that's, you, you reap to the wind, you're going to reap the whirlwind. And uh, so they're going to be accounted for. You see, again, I don't know about you, but that should encourage us as well. Every, every deceitful thing today, every lie that we hear the politicians say, or uh, it's going to be accounted for. Every sin is going to be accounted for. Everyone's going to be called into account. Every word, every thought, every deed is going to be called into account one day before Christ. And then, and then we change. Verse 11. If you're reading your Bible, it's a new paragraph. Then I saw another beast, and another means one of the same kind. So I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. So this other beast is similar but a little different. Verse 12, he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. I believe this is the antithesis of the Holy Spirit. Because he's going to be called later in Revelation the false prophet. And you know why the Holy Spirit came? Jesus said that when I go away, the Spirit's going to come and he's going to take of mine and show it to you. So the Holy Spirit came into the world to glorify Christ. The Holy Spirit is indwelling we who believe today for the single purpose of glorifying Christ. See, it, it is the Holy Spirit who, re, who, who, who sealed us until the day of redemption. It is the Holy Spirit who helps us understand Scripture. It is the Holy Spirit that brings conviction in our lives of sin and sinful practices that, that cause us to turn away from those and to want to glorify Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that woos us and draws us to honor Him. You're here this morning in, in, in obedience to Scripture, assembling together because of the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit gives us this nature and that we want to honor God. We want to know God. We want to know about God. We want to worship God. We, we want to be in the company of the people who do. We, we want this acknowledgement that God is supreme in my life. That's the Holy Spirit at work in us. And so when this beast comes, he's going to do that in the world, on behalf of the false Antichrist. And they will respond to him. Verse 13, he will perform great signs, so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he will deceive those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he has granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword, and lived, and he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the beast of the image to be killed. <laughs> really interesting. Uh, you, you know, there's a phenomenon going on, and it, it's, it's like these uh, alien sighting aircraft. You know, have you been... I just told you I don't watch the news, but again, I see, I even seen this on our evening because they, they report what the national news report, and you see these images of these aircraft, and, and, and they're acknowledging, our intelligence servants are acknowledging 
that these things, whatever they are, they move beyond the realm of any kind of propulsion that's available in the world today. Now, either Putin is doing it or something's going on. I don't know about you. Is that interesting to you? That doesn't frighten me at all, you know, because, again, I believe in God. And I'm not just terribly interested in it. But it is interesting that there are things in our world we cannot explain. Now, if we were to see those things multiplied and see them visibly, I mean, I don't know about you, but if we walked out here this morning, there's a spacecraft hovering over there in the parking lot, I'd be impressed. I'd be interested. And if, if the little green man get out of it, I'm going to be more interested. You know, so I, 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 that's just our nature. Our, our nature, we're impressed by what we can't explain. I'm impressed by my iPhone. I mean, I can't explain it. I, I get in the car and it tells me I'm 12 minutes from the church. How does it know I'm going to church on Sunday morning? I'll tell you how I know it's, it, it's the government behind that. <laughs> they know we're here. They have our name. <laughs> but if, could you imagine in this world, you come to this period of time, the world has been in chaos, now there's a strong leader, he's brought a measure of security, he's brought a measure, and, and now he has a prophet who is doing miraculous signs in the sight of the world. Fire, uh, probably raising people from the dead. He's doing these miraculous signs, and he's saying you worship the beast. You think the world's not going to worship the beast? Of course they are. The unregenerate world is going to say, we have a Savior. We have someone who cares, finally. We have someone who, who, who is our leader. We're, we're thronging to him. Our world loves a strong leader. And I can't use illustrations about President Trump but, because your mind goes political, and I don't want you to. But see, one of the reasons so many Republicans love Trump and so many Democrats hated Trump is because he was a, he was a, and when I say strong leader, it's not the exact word I want, but, but he, he was a strong, he basically said he's a strong leader. In the sense that he said what he was thinking, and he didn't care about the fallout. And, and, and I, I don't want to expand on that, but, it, but, but see, when you go back through history, and you find that's what Hitler did. If you ever listen to some of the speeches he made, you know, he's a strong leader. Churchill was a strong leader. When you, when you look at the people, people followed. Mayo was a strong, they're strong leaders. And people followed them because it brings them security. I came to serve under Frank Johnson. Frank Johnson was a strong leader. He, he one time said to the church, we're going to have peace in here if I have to kill somebody. So, <laughs> now that's the words of a strong leader. Me and the people, you laugh, but I think you'd have done it. So, <laughs> You know, so we just have this, it's, it's just, you know, we're, we feel secure when we're that. We feel like we're a part of something. We feel like we're, you know, then there's some significance if we're part of that because we're, we're, we're secure, we have purpose, our, our life has meaning. It's, and, and people, you know, we're drawn to that. Our nature is drawn to that. That's what's happening. The world is drawn to him. And so he draws them to worship, and um, we get to verse 14, and he makes this image, and I think this image is going to be put in the temple, and, uh, and people are going to have to worship the image. In verse 15, he had granted power to give bread to the image, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as who would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all men, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, so that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. And here's wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for the number of man. His number is 666. You know, what's going to happen during this time is what's already happening in our world. In my wallet this morning, I have a driver's license. I have a social security number. I have, I have this conformity to the government regulation. 
I have a vaccination card in my wallet that I've been vaccinated. So don't worry if I breathe on you or cough on you. I've been vaccinated. I have the, I have the card in my wallet to prove that. Some of you do not have that, and you're going to be limited. When we go on vacation, you can't, you can't go because there's going to be somebody who says you can't go in here if you don't have a vaccination. <clears throat> you know, now I'm just I'm making fun. But what I'm saying to you is we say, mm, I never, ever take the mark of the beast. I already have all those marks in my wallet. And one day they're just going to stamp it on my hand. And, you know, you think, okay, they're not going to do that to me. Oh, you know what? Yes, they will. Yeah, they will. And, and the world will follow them. If the world says to you is that you have to have this identification number before you can buy toilet paper. You're going to say, what, where do I line up to get that identification number? Because i got to have some toilet paper. <laughs> and you know, we, we laugh because we were there, right? We were there. We, we were there and we experienced it. I'm one of the people who remember, I, I remember the, the oil embargo and you couldn't buy gasoline. They've experienced that up on the, on the eastern coast in, in, this, in the last few months. See, I, you, if you remember some of those, you think, I've got to have gasoline. If all they want me to do is just take this mark, I mean, I, you know, what's the big deal? I already have marks in my billfold. I'm, I already, they have my name and my number, and they give me a social security number. And they, they know my movement, and they, the government already knows all about me. They call me up every now and then and ask me about my taxes, and, you know, and so uh, they already know. So what difference does it make? I want to eat. I want to feed my kids. We'd buy into it. Say, not me. I wouldn't buy into it. <clears throat> well, you've already seen I put in my notes, I've got a paragraph that says, this is my opinion, and you can, you can accept it or reject it. It doesn't matter to me. And, and I put it in here as my opinion. And my opinion is, this virus has already shown us our conformity. <clears throat> See, there's... There is, to my knowledge, there is not one single state legislative body who passed laws of restriction. Political leaders took that upon themselves without authority, it's not constitutional, without authority and said, you cannot assemble in a public place or you cannot assemble beyond a certain number of people in your own home. You, can, you cannot do that. You, you cannot, these are things you cannot do. You cannot assemble in church. You cannot, and, and it's, not, it's not constitutional. It's not mandated by some legislator that we elected. It's simply arbitrary rules made by a leader. And I was telling you earlier, that's what government people do. They, they, they take power into their own hands. That's what people in authority do. We we do it. We've said to our kids, you're going to do that because I said so. Right? How many of you have done that with your kids? Okay. <laughs> and your kids are thinking, oh my goodness. <laughs> okay, so what I'm saying to you is that in this time, you know, we want to say, okay, what's the number of the beast? What's 666? And, and you know, here's what I think the Bible saying to us. The Bible saying to us that this is authority that is blasphemous against God and it's powerful and you need to be warned against it. And I think, I think it's saying to us today, not just to those who are going to live in the tribulation period, but it's saying to us today there is a man-made authority that, that, that you need to be aware of. There is a man-made there's a man-made worship that you need to be aware of. You, you need not submit to that. It is the number of a man. But, and when we read that, here's wisdom, let him who has understanding calculate the number of a man. So if it is not glorifying of God, it is a man. It is a man's imagination, it is a man's nature, and it's evil, and it is blasphemous. And we need to be aware of that. If it is not glorifying of God, the real God, the true God, the only God, through His Son, Jesus Christ, and if it is not glorifying of, of, of the gospel, we need to be aware of that. We may have to accept, we may have to 
We may have to conform to some degree, but we need to have the knowledge that that's exactly what's happening. That's exactly what's happening, and I'm not going to trust it. See, trust is worship. I'm not going to trust it. It's not my hope. And, and, and that's what we need to be aware of. And, and that's why this is so important for us to grasp today, because that's the world we live in. We, we have these communications that are so instant and so broad, and, and, it, and I find it interesting, but what, what happens is that that captivates us, and we trust it. We think, okay, they're going to solve our problems. They're going to solve the issues of our world, and, and they're not. They're not. And they're deceiving us to think that they can, and it's not true. Christ is going to come and destroy these kingdoms. They're going to come, he's going to come and destroy these kingdoms and set up his kingdom, and that's the solution. That's the only solution. And that's what we need to pray for, look for, hope in, and endure everything else. So that's the warning to us today. That's the number of a man. Okay, time's up. Pray with me, please. Our Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for our time together this morning. And Lord, help us to be aware of the world we live in. Help us to acknowledge that it's a fallen world, and I have a fallen nature, and I'm tempted to trust the world and the things in the world. I'm tempted to simply only desire the things in the world. Lord, you've created so many things for our benefit and for, uh, Lord, our enjoyment even, and we're grateful but they're not our hope. And let, let, us, let us have an awareness of that. Lord, let us be grateful for what you've given to us and the privilege that we have and where we live and what we enjoy. And, and Lord, the, the privileges of a, a commercial society and how, how blessed we are. But Lord, that's not our hope. And let us, let us know the difference. Uh, let us be aware of the, of the subtle manipulation to cause us to look to the all the things around us instead of to you, and we will worship then in your name. Amen. Glad you're here this morning, and we will see you in church.